and thank you so much for listening to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives. Today, I am so excited to welcome Tacoma-based musician, producer, and founder of Rain Room Records, MG the Visionary. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. No, not for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is just too much. Too much. So can you tell us, how did you first get started in music? What drew you to it in the first place? Uh, shoot. Music was everywhere. I grew up in... Uh, uh, obviously a black family. We went to a black gospel church and it was very musical. Lots of incredibly talented musicians, vocalists. So I was always surrounded by that. And it was, it was exciting. It was inspiring. Uh, I was always recording things on the radio when I got my first cassette deck. My parents got me. I remember I was listening to some Peanuts cassettes, Charlie Brown. And the day I found out if you put some tape or duct tape or something over those squares on the back of that cassette and you stuck it into that player, you could hit that red record button. Ooh, mind blow. Oh my gosh, that's that changed me forever. It's always been a sound audio recording music has always been involved in my life and I've always wanted to interact with it. So yeah, I think I was six or seven when I got that cassette deck. And from that moment on, things just begin to migrate from just in liking sound to wanting to create it and recreate it and record it and manipulate it. So it's always kind of been there underneath my uh, in my mind, just in the way that I interact with the world. I also have misophonia, which, and it's a little different story, but it has to do with hearing and neurological issues that sounds will cause in me. So my leaning towards sound and audio was probably... I wouldn't say predetermined, but it was definitely impacted by this issue that I have with sound where certain things completely annoy me and will cause me to have a, I'll be angry. They'll anger me. I'll have a neurological response to an actual sound. So yeah, it's always been kind of this weird line between I love this and I hate it. And I want you to shut up. <laughs> so, it's like this fine line. That's gotta be tricky to juggle. Like, Oh, okay. Now now, if, if certain sounds impact me like this, now my quest is to create sounds that I will always like. <laughs> yeah, and to surround myself with sounds that are inviting and things that I like. Yeah, absolutely. My life has been geared around that. Oh, so are there certain sounds, would you say, that have found their way into your work or that you would say have impacted your work, like sounds that maybe when you were younger you found pleasant or sounds that were unpleasant? Yes. I would say, but from a bit of a different angle, because this thing that I have, misophonia, which, by the way, I know it sounds like a stupid name, misophonia. It doesn't even sound real. It sounds like you're just being silly uh, or phony, even. <laughs> uh, but basically, with my misophonia, it, my ears and what I hear, my ears are my are pretty much my superpower, and. My ears tune into out-of-place sounds, which is awesome and wonderful, 
for an engineer and someone who mixes and an audio guy like me. However, I can't turn it off. So outside of the realm of me using my gifts for what I love to do, just walking down the street or being any general group of people or anything can be really disheartening and frustrating because of the sounds. It's mouth sounds. Like I have to plug my ears even when I do that. Um, you know the sound that people make when they kiss, especially in movies, and they're zoomed in on it? As soon as I see people go to make out or kiss in a movie, I either have to turn my head, plug my ears. Not only do I not want to hear that sound, but even if I, I can't hear it and I can see it, my mind will create it. So Ooh. I literally, I'll, people wonder, wow, how can he, is he a prude? Does he just not like the kissing and stuff? Ah, I can't damn listening to it so yeah to answer your question it hasn't impacted the sounds as far as necessarily what i'm i guess it does indirectly in what i'm making but it more so impacts what i'm listening to and what i hear and what i'm trying to remove mm -hmm. so my mixes are probably better because of this issue that I have, because yeah, my ears key into out of place sounds, whether it's that frequency in that song or that motherfucker over there chewing with his mouth open, <laughs> destroying me, <laughs> smacking his food. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. So both a gift and a curse at the same time. Ooh, yes. And I didn't recognize it. It had been a, impacting me until recently I had an issue with a friend where I we really didn't talk for about a year or more because there was a they didn't understand how serious this was with me and it sounds kind of funny hey guys don't eat food in the studio smack with your mouth yeah it sounds kind of silly right I know you're just enjoying your food I know that you're not trying to destroy me but when you're over there just and start chewing your gum or smacking your gum with your mouth open, I I have to leave. I literally will have to ask you to stop or I will have to leave the room. So, yeah, that's my life. I mean, that's so interesting that kind of the recording aspect was what got you interested in it. I was 16 when I first started creating, really, writing and pursuing it on purpose. I was always good with writing creative writing anything that had to do with speaking or writing excuse me creativity i excelled at with music and specifically getting into creating music that was a uh, i was hanging out with my friends and i met these guys they were going to this church and they were christians and they actually enjoyed it yeah, so a little bit of backstory growing up with me, I grew up going to this uh, full gospel church and with the denomination, it just didn't vibe with me. And it was, you're at church all the time. It was, church just got in the middle of my playtime. Eventually, by the time I was 13, 14, that's all church was, was a distraction so that I couldn't do things I wanted to do. But when I got into high school, I met these these folks, group of kids, my age, maybe a year or two older, and they would always get together. They'd always hang out. They were Christians. They were excited about it. It wasn't this weird rule sect where you couldn't 
do things and that was the whole point of it they had their own music the music was great they had hip-hop i loved hip-hop i didn't like all the messages i was hearing in it but this stuff was awesome so that really began to impact my life and then i myself became a christian when i was 16 and with the desire to just put out good music and have positive messages and take the music that we love, which was hip hop and do our own thing with it. It was such a natural progression. It wasn't even a, Hey, should we do this? It was more of, we love hip hop. We like to rap. Let's just do this. So yeah, off 16, we started writing and doing shows and I was rapping and emceeing. I wasn't doing much production yet. My, my partner Mo was doing the production. He had a, on Sonic EPS he had purchased. And so it started making beats ourselves. Wow. Doing everything internal. So what was it like collaborating with the, with the group? What was your creative process like? I feel fortunate in that all the different groups, bands that I've put together have always been just based around the friendship. So it wasn't a, uh, a big thing. Hey, we're going to go do this thing that we're going to go do music. We're going to go create. It was more of, this is what we're doing now. It's part of our everyday life, just like us going to work or us going to school. It was just a natural. And we didn't even really have to conversate even necessarily about that. It just, as soon as we made a decision, we were just doing it. We were writing, we were recording. We didn't even know what we were doing other than that. Well, we need music. So let's make some, we need lyrics. Let's make some, we need to perform. Let's practice performing. So we just started doing all the things that we saw other groups doing or what we thought seemed natural. Uh, getting our bios together, getting our pictures together. So as far as the the collaborative effort, I think that is what you're getting at. It was really natural because it was just about uh, you have this, you got this verse, I got this verse, let's put them together. It was a real natural collaboration. And once I wasn't just emceeing with, you know, maybe two MCs and a DJ or something, and then I'm putting a band together, once I had the band, my focus has always been, and this comes from those early formative years when we first started because they were so effective and they seemed just to work so well. My mindset with my band was, hey, you know what? The music is secondary. If our friendship, if our friendship right here is on the level, our music is going to be awesome. And if our friendship and our chemistry good, that stuff is going to translate on stage. And it really does. I don't know if you've ever really taking note, you've gone to a concert, there's a band, they're playing every note right, they sound great, anatonically, everything is on point, but maybe they didn't really connect with you, or they never, t you have a finite window of time when you're with a group of people to connect with them, and if you connect with them, you'll be able to take them everywhere and go anywhere you want. If you just take off and you don't take them with you, you will be alone. So, that's always been my mindset. Our friendship, our relationship is important. And if we handle that, our music will be great. So that's always been my focus. I mean, that's such, that's such a great way to approach it because I mean, you hear so often about bands falling apart or people trying to collaborate creatively and then losing the friendship and kind of forgetting that that's what brought them together in the first place. And yeah. I mean, that's always so sad. Plus, I mean, it's just, it's so incredible and so rewarding when you do meet those people that you really connect with on that level where you're picking up what each other's putting out creatively and you can just have that level of friendship and collaboration where it just flows naturally. Those relationships yeah. are 
hard to come by, but completely magical. Well, they have to be cultivated. That's what it is. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that even a good relationship doesn't just happen. It's always going to be work. It's, there's got to be some structure behind it. You go to see a jazz band. They're all over the place. There's four or five different players. They're doing completely random things. And then all of a sudden, they come back together on that one note at that one time. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do they do that? It's because of all the practice behind it, all the practice, practice and the structure that they're laying down when they're not on stage. It's about if I'm tight with you as an individual in your life and you're in my band, if I know what's going on in your world, when we're performing, I'm going to be more tuned into you and what you got going on. Yeah, we're playing a show, but maybe I know that uh, you just got a new job and you're excited or you just broke up with somebody and you're kind of bummed. When that chemistry is on point and that communication is on point, when the relationship is on point, everything else is going to be where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way that it goes. I think people miss that. They, they focus on the music or they focus on the thing instead of focus on the reason why they're even doing the thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that definitely reminds me of some projects I've worked on where I had a really good vibe going on with the director and I mean yeah it's it's the same way in film when you meet somebody that you really connect with creatively like as a cinematographer and as a director it makes such a huge difference when you're just on that level when you really trust each other you know that you have each other's backs and what's going and you know what's going on with with the work I mean just I think that trust is so huge because that can be really hard to build and hard to find especially in you know an industry like music or or film well, trust, another one of those relational words. And that's something that, that's, a, that's an individual and a personal thing. When you're able to trust and you, you do things in such a way where people can trust you, that's something you're naturally baking into the foundation of that relationship so that that relationship can do the things it needs to do. That's why breakups happen. A lot of times the foundation wasn't right. The communication wasn't right. And then when you stood on it, it wasn't ready to be stood on and it fell through. That's why we got to build these things and lay that foundation. That's why our character first needs to start with us individually. How are we interacting? How are we interfacing with the world around us, with the band, with the music around us? Because when we are in a place where nothing's hidden, the truth is out there, the truth will set you free and then you can just flow and do the things you need to do. But when there's unspoken things going on, miscommunication, non-communication, personal agendas, at least personal agendas that aren't communicated at that, that's, those are all ingredients for dissension and destruction and your, whatever you're doing will be devoured before it can start. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so important, of course, to be good at what you do, but also it's important to be the kind of person that other people want to work with also like being like you said, just remembering to, you know, to, to be a good person on top of all of that, basically. Yeah. Being a good individual, a human that has something to offer to this world is tatamount. If you don't have that, then what can this really, this world do with you? And I think people get to the point where they think being good is enough or I'm good or I'm doing well, or I'm doing this, but I'm still treating people like shit. 
Mm, doing doing good to me. Being good, uh, even being talented, that's secondary. If I can connect with you as a person, as an individual, there's a greater chance that I will listen to you or hear what you have to say or whatever you have to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know, like some people, they just kind of draw you to want to get to know them, to want to work with them, whereas other people, you meet them, and you're just like, oh, they're perfectly fine, but, you know, I... You know, I I don't really feel any particular way towards them. You know, moving on. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so going back to being a part of the band. So how long were you guys together as a band? What what was kind of the trajectory once you guys started making music together? Where did things go after that? Well, even with my band setups, and I've had let's see here, the first time I had the band was the largest. There was six or seven of us and then there was five and then at its most at its core at its best there was either three or four of us uh it'd be Leif on the keys he's awesome I'll send you some pictures of these guys too if you want to post them up there Leif D on the keys uh funkiest white boy I've ever met in my life all the, all the reggae legends want this guy playing with them, and he's incredible, and he likes to and chooses to play with me, so I feel really fortunate and blessed because it would take two to three musicians just to replace this guy. That's wow. how amazing he is. Yeah. Leif will play the bass. Leif will be triggering samples and playing keys all at the same time and dancing completely offbeat and still making it work somehow. I don't even understand how he does it. Wow. <laughs> Joe, which was one of his best friends, he was the drummer. Kyle Batterman was my axe man. He was on the guitar and DJing. And I would be on lead vocals and guitar sometimes. However, the process of, you say, creating music together, and we would, in a sense, but if this was more so MG the Visionary and the band, essentially, because I create my music. I, I do all my own production. And then I show up at our practice spot. I pull out the song. I play it for the guys. We take, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes to pull the song apart for each of their parts and then put it all back together. So it was really a great relationship in that there was no, the only pushback I'm getting in production is not even necessarily pushback, but when you create something yourself and then you have a, a different musician who plays that instrument, recreate it or replay it, there's going to be nuances that are different because we're all different and we do things differently. And one thing I really encouraged with my band is, okay, yes, you guys, this is my song. I created this, but you guys are playing with me and I have you because you're excellent at what you do. So I want you to take what I did recreate it but do your thing to it make it yours so the collaborative effort was pretty pretty easy because more so the collaboration was just the actual playing of the song itself not necessarily the creating of the song uh, which can get uh that can be convoluted when i was in the band or had more people to work with on the creation of the song obviously it's going to take more time you've got different ideas and people's 
just everyone's difference of opinion of what something should be or what the best of that something is. So yeah, it could take a, it could take a lot longer trying to complete something. So I've felt very fortunate in that I'm a solo artist, but I have a band that really believes in me and trusts my vision on what I'm doing. And they just take the music and make it awesome. And I'll tell you something, there is nothing like the feeling of having a song that you wrote, that you created, taking it to the band and watching that song come to life. And it's not your samplers, it's not your keyboards, it's an actual drummer, it's a keyboardist, it's vocals. It just, I mean, it's kind of emotional sometimes uh, seeing these songs come to life and then playing them live. Oh my God. Just, there's nothing like that feeling. Oh, I can, I can imagine. I mean, I've been to some concerts where just, it feels like the crowd and the artists are really connecting and everybody's just feeling it so hard. That's awesome that you say that. That's There's a couple different guiding lights uh, that I've had in my career. And um, like I said earlier, one of them is it's got to be about the friendship. It's got to be about the horizontal relationship of us together. When that's good, the music will be good naturally. Um, but then also, yeah, man, I mean, pulling these songs together and seeing them come together live and having the energy, not just the energy, the synergy, the synergistic response of all of us doing this together and being in the same place at the same time with the same goal, man, that is that is an incredible place to be in. And... To me, we go and we perform. I'm up there on the stage. There's an audience down there, over there, wherever. You got a band back here. It's not about me on the stage, you over there, and them over there. This is about all of us together. We're all, we all have different roles. I'm just playing my role as being the one who's leading the people. I'm kind of a worship leader of sorts. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I'm performing. But really, I am attempting to connect with my audience in such a way that when we're done with this show, with this experience, you walk out that door with more energy to go back into your world, whatever your life is doing at that moment with some energy, with some excitement that you got from just coming together with this group of people who, who were here for the same reason. You don't know who walks through that door coming to a concert. That guy's mother could have just passed away. This person over here, who knows, could have, just got fired you don't know and so when we perform to me it's not a performance it's an experience because it takes all of us together and yeah i'm practicing and i'm preparing for this moment and maybe the people in the audience aren't necessarily but they kind of are preparing they're just living their lives and showing up that's what they're supposed to do so that we can connect in this incredibly wonderful way that you normally wouldn't get and we all know that with music there's there's power in music there's things that you could say in a song in two to three minutes with certain vocal inflections and harmonies to communicate with someone that you might not be able to communicate to them with just words over years you know what i mean there's something about that the words married to harmony and melody and rhythm that are just incredible. And that's why people look up to musicians so much. It's a dynamic thing. It's so alluring 
how could you not be any of these people who are saying these huge, lofty, incredible things that are impacting our lives? So, of course, and once again, that's what naturally happens. We, we begin to worship the thing instead of just love what we were doing. We begin to worship these artists instead of the fact of the music that they were creating out of the love in their heart to bless you with. And that's why we always got to keep our focus in the right place so that we don't begin to run after the thing instead of pouring it into creating it as we we're here to begin with. So uh, I might've went off on a tangent there, but so be it. I mean, no, I, I have definitely felt that kind of mood at concerts and it, it can probably, it's probably really difficult to build and create as a live performer. I mean, cause you're, you're there, you're on stage, you're trying to perform and connect with the crowd. What was it like when you first started performing live? Like, was that, was that a challenge? What was your evolution of a live performer like? Evolution is the perfect word, and this will reflect on some of the stuff I talked about before, in that I'm moving, I do perform. Yes, we all have to perform. To go out and to do anything is to perform. So naturally, there is a performance aspect, and being prepared to perform is the thing. But in my mind, my evolution was going from performing to just being i'm not here to perform on the stage i want to be on the stage and be myself that that's what i'm doing the performances i'm going for this certain goal yeah, this isn't a performance this is a this is me living my life on stage in front of you that's that's what i that's what the difference is for me and before when I was young, yeah, it was a performance because you want to go out there. I want to kill it. You're thinking about your words. I'm going to say it and I'm going to do it like this. And then I'm going to do this when I say it. And you're, it's this performance thing as opposed to you just living it and doing it and having those people interact with it. A lot of times, if you pay attention, you'll be able to tell the difference when someone's putting on a performance and someone is just being whoever they are, whatever it is that they are even if that is a performance. Does that make sense to you at all? No, absolutely. And I mean, I think that can be something that's really tricky because what you're talking about, I think, is kind of a level of vulnerability to walk out in front of a ton of people and to just be honest and be yourself and not put up any walls or masks. And I mean, that's that's scary. I think that's probably the hardest part. Yeah, it is. It is truly the hardest part, especially if... Uh... I mean, people are going to look at you, they're going to judge you, they're going to whatever it is that they're going to do. That's, that's part of human nature. We've got to be at a point where we are beyond that, where we're past that, at least for ourselves. And that confidence comes from, one, experience, knowing what you want to do and knowing your, your tools and your abilities to do it and then just doing that. Absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, the most important thing is to do what makes you happy. And like you said, being authentic and just being comfortable being who you are. And at the end of the day, if you're, if you're able to connect with people or create something that resonates with people. So what if one or two people are haters who don't get it and who are like, oh, this is, this is garbage or make mean comments. You're never going to please everybody and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. Yeah, it, it cannot matter because 
your goal just has to be clear and your focus has to be clear, really. So you started out uh, as a member of a musical group and then transitioned to being a solo artist and producing a lot of your own work. What was it like transitioning and what is your creative process like now when you're working on your solo music? Well, it was tough transitioning at first because, I mean, all I knew was being in a group the whole time. So when I was going solo, this was after one of my buddies was getting out of the group. He was about to get married. Mm -hmm. Just a bunch of different things were happening. And it took me a while. Actually, I didn't accept going solo for a while. I, I was... I was always a mentor and a big brother to a few different artists and just, I'd been there for a while. So I was always considered like that. And I had a, my buddy, Matthew Smokovich. He was like my little brother. I was, a, like I said, big brother to him. And eventually after he graduated from high school, he eventually became part of the group with me for a little bit, but I still was, I think, avoiding <clears throat> going on as a solo artist. I kind of avoided it for a couple years. Finally just accepted it and then realized, okay, this is where I need to be right now. Or at least for some aspect of my artistry, this is where I want to be because I can move how I want to. I can do what I want to. And the reason I even was able to go solo is once I really began to realize I had uh, a gift for production and I could pretty much do all these things myself. And after I realized that, I just began to run with it and produce more and still collabing. I mean, I'm, I'm always collaborating with folks. So yeah, I continued to do that. And as time went on, I really, I love the creative process. The creative process to me is just an awesome, incredible intangible thing it feels like to create whether it's music to create in any form feels like a small microcosmic look at what it must have felt like for god to create us you know taking things that are there putting them together and coming up with something that's completely authentic and new as if all these parts were always meant to be together you know because they were because they are and i believe creating music to me is a small glimpse of what that must feel like because even my songs take on a life of their, their own and I couldn't tell you which one is my favorite <laughs> you know I, I you're, you're birthing ideas you're giving birth to these ideas when it comes to songs so yeah I love the creative process and began to produce more and more and now I I produce far more than I'm performing at the moment uh probably because I I just like creating in making music even more than I like writing lyrics. I'll usually have a track. Track inspires me. The track speaks to me and tells me what to say just off of the vibe. And then I write and I almost feel as if sometimes I'm, you know, you got a scratch ticket and you're scratching off to see if you won. I feel like sometimes the lyrics that I'm writing were already there and I'm just scratching off the words or something because they flow so naturally and so authentically. So yeah, I, I, I love the creative process in every aspect. And genre-wise, stylistically, how has your style evolved since the early days of the group? Have you incorporated different genres or different ideas into your work? Yeah, 
I believe I'm from Seattle. You know what? I'm an indie rocker at heart. That's really the truth of the matter. I like I like to I like to rock out. But it all comes through the scope of hip hop with beats. I mean, I'm I'm from the production era where my my mentors were DJ Premier and Pete Rock, you know, cats like that. Seal Smooth, uh, Jay Dilla, Q-Tip. That's that's the era I come from, and I'm more of a uh, old school purist uh, at heart. And once I really started performing, being from Seattle, we were we were playing more punk rock and rock shows than hip hop shows and so we really learned how to vibe in that in that culture in that scene and we really connected too a lot of the punk rockers and the hardcore kids were into the hip hop back in the day which was a great crossover and it was excellent for us so yeah i've gone but as a lyricist when i was younger i had so much to say and i had so many words there was more syllables in my songs than the word songs and medleys in the movie Frozen, which is kind of hard to accomplish. I can't stand musicals. And Frozen, sorry to go off on this tangent, but fuck Frozen. I mean, the first five minutes had like a 28,000 song medley. <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to say some words that are just normal. I don't want you to sing every word that you say to me. There was, anyways, I'm sorry. I can't stand Frozen, too many songs. Well, that's how many syllables I had in my lyrics. So we'd be at shows and the audience would be saying my friend's lyrics with them and no one would be saying my lyrics. And I, I was getting frustrated. And then I eventually realized I can barely say my damn lyrics. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, kind of like Busta Rhymes. You're probably... There's, you're not likely going to kick a whole Buster Rhymes verse. There's just too much going on there. Well, I was kind of like that too. Um, and not to, the, not to the point where he's taking it, but there were so, so many syllables I was trying to use and cram into these places. So as time has gone on, I've definitely chilled my words out a lot. And it's more about, it's not about, it's not always about what you say much. Much of the time, it's about what you don't. It's about where you don't put stuff. It's about that pause that you use for, for impact. So I've definitely become more direct, a more clear. And the first thing I do after I write lyrics is weed out probably half of the lyrics. Definitely been there. That sounds like me trying to write a script. Write it first yeah. and then go back and remove half the dialogue. <laughs> that's pretty much my process for that part and so what kind of what kind of things would you say influence you now when you're creating music like does the idea for a track just pop into your head or do you hear some kind of noise or sound that inspires you to create something based off of that what's your creative process like both for stuff you're creating for yourself and stuff you're creating for other people because I know you also produce for for other artists yeah uh the creative process is quite different. I mean, life is inspiration. So if you're living an inspired life, 
the inspiration just comes. You, you, you're not going to be able to tell where it's going to come from. It's just going to happen. You don't, you don't know. Just like when my, my mother passed just before COVID and I've never experienced a loss that close to me <laughs> to this point. So that was the first time. And I don't know that I'm going to be walking through Fred Myers and some songs going to come on. I'm going to uh, have a memory of, of my mother, a flashback. I have no clue. They hit you just from all different directions. Same thing with inspiration for music. My inspiration comes from, I draw from everything. Anything that touches you or impacts you emotionally can inspire music. Anything that, that, that makes your mind have to change or it, it snaps you out of the moment that's inspiration. It, it pulls you to right here what's going on. So being that type of person and, and gaining inspiration from all those different places, I've got my watch and I'll hum myself or beatbox ideas to myself. <laughs> I have so many messages of me just doing that. Hundreds, probably thousands of me capturing ideas because here's the deal. I'll have so many ideas come through my mind on certain days if I don't write them down or do something they're gone they're gone as soon as they leave my mind because there's the idea there's the thought phone rings hey k the g what's going on ideas forgotten forever so we've got I have to personally capture those ideas so that I can get back to them and I've got to capture them to the point where they're clear enough that when I'm listening to my voice with no musical content, trying to relay a musical idea to myself, I've really got to be really clear about it. Uh, inspiration for other people, other artists, that's different as well, because a lot of times with other artists, they're bringing me a track that they found on YouTube or some other instrumental that inspired them to write. And that's what I'll tell them. Hey, if you have a song or a track that's out there right now, that's inspiring you, you go get it and you write to it just to get the idea out bring it to me and then we'll completely redo the music and a lot of times that makes it can make the, a bit more work for me there's a difference between creating with no necessary goal in mind you're just looking for cool sounds that work together this sample fits with this drum whatever the case is but when you're doing it that way there aren't a bunch of boundaries and you can just flow when you have a specific song that someone wrote to, or I should say a specific record that's got a key. It's got a tempo. Is it swinging? There's all, excuse me, all sorts of parameters you have now that you have to create within because you still have to fit or exceed the vibe that the vocalist wrote to that other track. So I'm dealing with that right now. Uh, a lot of times it's, it comes really quick. I can listen to a track. I'm listening to this. Oh, it's, it's drums, it's bass, it's guitar. Okay, I've got the basic ideas. I can go and lay a basic idea of what that is, and then I'll go and change it up so it's authentic and original. Uh, but sometimes, man, it's hard to recreate something you've already heard or that's already got parameters. And there tends to be maybe one record off of each project, when I say project, I'm meaning more like an EP, anywhere from five, four to seven songs. It seems like there's one song on those projects that usually takes me longer than the other ones. I'm working on something for 
my friend Katrina uh, right now. You've heard her stuff. And there's this one song that's just, ah, it's kicking my ass. And everything else is done. It's been done for months now. This one track, this one record just takes a little bit longer. So, you know, who knows? Sometimes inspiration comes. Sometimes it's it takes a little bit longer to get to where you're going. But uh, I think it's important for you to set parameters as far as how long I will allow myself to work on an idea before I move on to the next. Cause it's easy to get stuck in that rut and just be going back and forth. And next thing you know, you've dug a hole and now you got to dig yourself out. So uh, it's important as a producer to keep kind of checks and balances in the back of your mind of how long you're spending somewhere or what you're doing. So you don't get so sidetracked off of your original idea. Cause what you need to do is get as much of, that idea out as possible as quickly so you don't lose those different different aspects and then you can go back and tweak them and and fit fit them to your liking i have definitely been there where you just you work on something for so long that it gets hard to keep working on it because you get distracted or you're like oh i have this other idea which one's going to work better yeah sometimes you, you just need to step away even from your own work yeah sometimes you're too close you can't see you can't see what's right in front like, of you oh my God. <laughs> I can't see it. Oh, oh, he is beautiful. I should have stepped back a little bit. I would have seen him. <laughs> yes, yeah, like that. You, you got to do that. And you got to go through the, each track goes through its ugly phases, just like a kid does. I mean, some people out there never grew out of their ugly phases. Some tracks never grew out of their ugly phases. You have to uh, allow that track to form naturally as much as you can and then kind of shape it, see what you have and boom, get what you want. But it takes some finesse. You can't just go in there and, fin- and, and force things to happen. The whole concept of, I'm going to make it happen. Let's make it happen. You know, uh, sometimes we get too forceful with our making it happen instead of sitting back and kind of watching where the flow goes and then picking up. So uh, learning how to do that and keeping that uh, in the forefront of your process can be a process itself you know and it and it is we have so much we want to do we have ideas and a lot of times for myself i just want to do so many things at once you know and i need to step back okay there's we got to do this sequentially because even though my mind might work as in random access i personally do not i can do one thing at a time so we've got to be able to pull those ideas out any in an efficient way Oh, yeah. And just finding that balance of creating, but then not burning yourself out. That's a struggle. <laughs> and so yeah. you mentioned working with uh, working with some other artists. So what are what are all the different genres that you've created music for? What's it like working with another artist and both trying to capture who they are, but then also making it your own in a way as well? Yeah, I think that's a really the the goal of a good producer is to become transparent so when people hear the music and whatnot they're not seeing me they're they're hearing and seeing the artist and the song now they they may understand that with me as a producer there might be certain aspects that they're looking for about it that they do appreciate and whatnot for what I do, maybe that's even the reason why the artist chose me. But yeah, I really, I'm all about what are you trying to accomplish? And then I'm thinking about what is 
what what is my skill set to be able to accomplish that for them? So it's not necessarily really hard. I mean, there are definitely technical aspects of different genres that being involved in that scene is going to make a difference. It's going to make it authentic and it's not going to feel like it's forced or it's not going to feel like you're going and doing a rock record as opposed to just playing the rock that you play. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So having a good ear so you can really translate. If I, if I heard a country song, I know I could go out and produce it. It might take me, uh, it, it maybe it won't. It might take me a little bit longer to do certain things or to get something the way I want it to be because maybe I'm not so steeped in the culture of how they perform that. But I could do it. I know what I'm listening for. I'm a, I'm a producer, so I know what it should sound like. And actually, I think those kind of collaborations turn into some really fun things, though, because we're all learning. We're all, we're all a little bit out of our comfort zone. And honestly, being a little bit out of your comfort zone is a wonderful place to be because you can really pull out some some things you never would have known before. Oh, yeah. I mean, great things come from when you really push yourself and challenge yourself. And I feel like you also get some really amazing things when you mix genres. Yeah. I've always been a genre mixer. My kids are mixed. (laughs) (laughs) I mix everything. I mix my kids. I mix my drinks. I, I like to mix things up because you get these flavors that weren't on the, weren't on the menu before, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I dig that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I've been, I've been listening to some beats on YouTube that are, like, Soviet, like, Soviet-era songs, but then, like, mixed with, like, a rap beat or with, with some kind of modern interpretation. Like, it sounds really, like, I found this one really cool beat that was, it was, I mean, it was basically a pop beat, but with the Soviet national anthem in it, like, da, 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 da. and it just, it sounded really cool. And I mean, who would have thought, right? Two, you know, two totally different yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. I like that because those things also stand out in people's minds. They're, uh, they're genre defining and people remember it when you go out on that limb and do something different. Absolutely. <laughs> so last question, what are you working on now? And how can we follow you? Uh, what I'm working on right now, a couple things. I have the compilation for the record label, which is for the most part done. I got some finishing touches on mixes. Uh, I've got Kiana's record that I'm finishing and I got Katrina's last song that I'm finishing. When those are complete, those will be complete this month. Hopefully, this week, next week, and the first release, we're we're determining if we're going to do it the end of this month or early next month. So, to follow me right now, jeez, um, you just have to email me. I'm nowhere. We're nowhere right now on purpose. I've I've been off of social media for I don't know. I think the last five or seven years, even holy shnikes, and I'm about to jump back into it. However. If you do want to stay tuned, we'll be at Rain Room Records, or if you search MG The Visionary, we'll be on Bandcamp and all associated sites and whatnot, Twitter, MG The Visionary and Rain Room Records. So, well, I'm very excited. Follow me. 
follow me mostly in your hearts <laughs> and then i then i know it will last you'll see me look for the glasses i do also plan to start marketing and selling these glasses Ooh, too sweet <laughs> Yeah. Well, I look so, forward to the compilation and you'll have to you'll have to come back after it drops. Give us a live performance. Yeah, yeah. Actually let's do it. Let's plan on that. We'll come back when it when it drops and reconnect with everyone so that you guys can connect. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was so great having you. Yeah, this is perfect. Thank you, Kay. The G. Your money. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives. I can't believe that it's a wrap on season one. This show was an idea that randomly popped into my head in January, and it's been an amazing wild ride creating it ever since. And I'm so, so grateful to all of my amazing guests, the super talented creators who came and shared their stories, and of course to everyone who's tuned in and supported us along the way. If you're just discovering this show, be sure to check out the rest of Season 1, available on Red Circle, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Instagram at Shots with Catherine for updates and behind the scenes, and be sure to stay tuned for Season 2, dropping this fall.